This morning we find our scripture in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Hear these words. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Steve. Wash us anew in grace. Refresh us by the flowing of your spirit. And call us into a position and a posture of readiness so that today the kingdom of God might be fulfilled and lived out. This is our prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. In Matthew, before Jesus begins his public ministry, he takes his disciples off by themselves and said, I want to tell you what we're going to be about why I came, and what we're going to look like as we move forward. You and I call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, he lays out all all of these understandings about what it is to live as a child of God in this world. Talks about how to find blessedness, how to be really happy at the deepest level of our being. Talks about transforming ourselves so that we act very differently than the ways of the world. Where forgiveness is a natural way in which we respond to injury or wrong done to us. Where love becomes so radically large that it not only embraces those we have difficulty of loving, but it is extended to those who would kill us. That we will live as those who have no worries. Not that we don't have issues. Not that we don't have concerns, but worries will be replaced with faith and trust. And we will focus on the things that truly, truly matter. All of this is ours. It is given to us. And it's what we're going to establish in the world. How will we find it? How will we live it out? We will seek after it. We will put our life into a position of constantly seeking after this thing that Christ has promised to us. Seek, and the door shall be open. Knock. Discover what I am promising you. And then he takes him down off the mountain and starts living the walk. In John 10.10, he summarizes all that he says very quickly, very succinctly. Here's why I came. I have come into this world that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's a promise for today. 
That's a promise for everyone in this room right now. That Christ is coming to the world that you would have an abundant life. Some of the translations in scripture talk about this as a very full life. In Eugene Peterson's message, he says it this way, I've come so that you may have real life and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed. Do you want some of that? Have you had a very full life lately? So full that you wish we would offer you cots and a, and a graham cracker and a milk and let you have a nap time today? Anybody living that kind of full life lately? Well, Jesus isn't promising to make you busy or more hectic or more frazzled or more worn out. What he is promising to you and to me that we would be able to live a life where we would experience life at its complete fullness. That is to say, discovering how God is working in us and through us and around us and live most specifically in that place where the vitality of God is maximized by our efforts and our energy and our response. Full and abundant life is not measured by wealth, is not measured by health, it's not measured by crisis or stress, by life or death. For I've known people who were wealthy, who were living full, abundant lives in Christ, and those who were stressed and worn and frazzled. I've known people in poverty who could not find their center or their hope, and other people in poverty whose faith and hope humbles all around. I've known people who have full health and are completely lost as to the purpose of life, and I've known people who are facing agonizing death who are at peace with Christ. And I've known people who are surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and are so confused and lost as their own identity and what their life is about. And I have known people who live quiet lives alone, who are content and driven at the same time. God wants to give to all of us a life that is full and abundant. How much so? Well, even more so than a parent would want to give the child everything that they could ever have. Did you see Bryce this morning? If you look, yes, and if you look in his blue eyes, there isn't anything about him that doesn't want me to run out and give him anything he wants. And the grandparents here know all about that. Because our job is to spoil richly. Your job is to fix them after we've spoiled them. <laughs> but you want nothing more than for him to have an abundant life. And whether he'll be rich, I don't know. Whether he'll be powerful, I couldn't care less. But you want him to find the fulfillment of happiness in his life. Jesus has come to say, I want to give it to him. I want to give it to you. And I want to give it to all of you. How do we find it? But we don't find it by making assumptions of what it is. Because what I've come to discover is that the assumptions I've made in my life where I think I'm going to find abundance and fulfillment in my life have often been the places that have taken away from it. When I've gone after success, after power, after adulation, I've discovered that I've left the center of my being. And when I have decided what I think fulfilled, abundant life is like, what I have come to discover, the only thing I have done is placed myself as God over my life. And that has never been a good thing. 
And when I decide to try to make my life balanced and healthy and whole by making sure I stay within boundaries that allow me to not risk anything, that allow me to be comfortable with my existence, I've come to discover that what I've really done is placed myself at the center of the universe, making sure that none of the other stuff out there bothers me, rather than understanding my relationship with the world and my willing to risk myself for the sake of the world is exactly where I find abundance. It is why Jesus here places this conversation about seeking and finding right next to what we call the golden rule, treat treat others as you would have them treat you. Because he's trying to help us understand that only when we are given fully over to Christ and only when we are willing to radically give our lives to others so that there would be a reciprocity of grace will we find the fullness of what this life is called to be. So did you come in here this morning seeking abundant life? Or did you come in to collapse and rest for a while before you go back out and do it again? You have to want to seek abundant life. And there discover God that you've come to worship is seeking to give it to you. But quite frankly, you're a hard congregation to preach to, as most congregations are on this matter, because most of us have some level of accomplishment in our life. We, we are struggling, maybe at some levels, but we also have the ability to earn income and have a house and have the worries that good middle class, upper middle class people have. And sometimes we've lived into the understanding that all the things that come with that lifestyle are in some ways validation of the fact that we're living the full life. I suggest that that's all a facade. The abundant life Jesus promises is sometimes best revealed when everything we have is taken away. Sometimes it's when we get to the place when all the stuff we fight over, worry about, and value the most is reduced to nothing. And we have to gain a new perspective. He's a child of this church. Raised in this church. A few years ago, he was in my confirmation class. I could tell he didn't want to be there. And most of the time, I wish he wasn't there. He was a pain in my side. He was an annoyance. He was a distractor. And quite frankly, I just wish he wouldn't stay in. But he did. I still don't know why. And it came Sunday for confirmation, and he came up those steps there, and he knelt in front of me, and I placed my hands on his head to confirm him, and I thought, God, what's the use in this? Because he hasn't taken it seriously all year. And after I confirmed him, you know where I saw him back in church? Nowhere. Because he had graduated out of obligation. And then a couple years later, his family, who worships here, kept me up to speed on how he was doing, or more how he wasn't doing. A lot of bad choices, a lot of bad friends, a lot of making decisions that would mean his life was minimalized, addiction, and bad behavior. 
I began to have more contact with them because I began to track them around various rehab facilities and other centers around southeastern Michigan as I would be called to go visit him. Sometimes those visits seemed meaningful and sometimes perfunctory. But he would try to get his life back together and would last a while and then would fall apart again. Until finally I wasn't praying with him in a rehab center. We were down in the bowels of the jail. And now we were no longer playing games. This was big boy time. This was a time to decide whether he was going to spend the rest of his life behind bars or out of bars. This was to decide whether or not he was going to live or die. It was that simple. We prayed again. And then we prayed some more. And then he began to emerge. He began to change. Not really because if he didn't, he was going to die, but because he began to understand the prayer he was praying to was actually to a God who was living, who was listening, who had been seeking him out from the very first moment he was born. He began to listen to a God who was telling him that he wasn't worthless and that the only way he could ever be accepted is if he was high. No, this God was telling him that he was a blessed, loved child of God. And he began to change. And he tells me to tell you that he knows that all began when he was growing up in this church. Even when he was going through confirmation class. And he made decisions in his life. And he took responsibility for his life. And today, he has a job. He has school. And he has a future. And he tells me to tell you thank you. Because once you took the same vows to him that you just took to Bryce. And to his utter shock, they stuck. The baptismal waters can't get washed off. So the Hollywood ending, is everything rosy? Will he always have ease the rest of his life? Absolutely not. Every morning he'll have to wake up and decide whether that day he's going to live or die. Every morning he'll have to wake up and decide which God is he going to serve. And every day he's going to have to decide what's he really seeking after. But he knows. He has choices. And he knows those choices will make all the difference. And he knows that he's surrounded himself with people today where he lives like you who will remind him of those choices and opportunity and the abundant life he has. Who are you seeking today? What are you seeking after in your life? You've heard the gospel read. You've heard the songs sung. We've got a little praying yet to do, but soon we'll be out of here. And you're going to have to answer the question by what you choose to do. Who are you seeking after? What do you say and what are you doing that proves that, that validates that? You know, in a little bit, we're going to do something that we often do in the life of the church. We're going to pass some plates around. We take up an offering. Some of you think that's when we pay the bills. But the truth is that offering is far more than paying bills. 
And when I ask on Monday morning, how was the offering yesterday, part of my question is, how much money did we receive and how are we doing with the budget? But a larger part of that is this. What did people put in the plate on Sunday? Of their money, yes, but of their commitment, of their worry, of their priorities. What are you willing now to turn over to God and give over to God and quit holding on to? Quit trying to protect. Quit trying to control. It's because the amount to which we put things into the plate is the amount to which we're willing to let God be in charge of our life or not. Whether we're really, really ready to let God be God or whether we're still tipping God so we can stay in control of the things we don't want to let go of. Every Sunday, we come in here seeking something. Every Sunday, we go out of here with a declaration of that which we will seek after in the week to come. If it is Christ, he promises to give us abundant life. If it is not, he will keep coming to us again and again and again until we're ready to receive it. So I ask you, Are you ready? Are you finally ready to accept what he's been wanting to give you all along? Are you like my friend who finally has figured out the hardest questions are the simplest questions? How much do you want to live? How much do you want to survive? How much do you want to worry? And how much do you want to be about the things of God? Decide. And may God bless us in our deciding. Amen.